Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier as you do those things. This episode is going to be a writing ramble. It's me talking to you, unplanned, unedited, unscripted, just talking about whatever's on my mind, normally to do with writing, obviously, because this is a creative writing podcast. But, you know, I tend to branch out a little bit. And I just want to... Sometimes I use these like little life updates as well, because this is a podcast hopefully supporting writers. But it's also a podcast by a writer uh, who is an enthusiastic end user of uh, what I sometimes call a rainbow rare brain Uh just one of the, we're all delightfully uh, uh, at the extremes of one graph or another, aren't we? In some aspect of our lives, and uh, mine one is is mental. The last few weeks, so I haven't put out podcasts for a few weeks. Uh, the, the the podcast's like release schedule has um, become increasingly artisanal over the last six months. There was there was a time when I would hammer out a at least a podcast a week, if if not sometimes two, sometimes two. In fact, you know we we only got to look back. So I I've put out I put out a hundred podcast episodes in a hundred days in hundred consecutive days, which is a lot, isn't it? So I have a history of varied productivity, and recently. It's not been quite so great. We can get into that a bit. I've talked about it a little before. Um, also, then, I am going to get into some stuff that's hopefully going to be useful to you or interesting to you as a writer. But just to kind of, I suppose, share where I am, because I feel that's always important. Uh, I got I had flu a few weeks ago. Also, I just think like talking about this stuff, I suppose... People often message me and say, Tim, I appreciate your honesty about the writing process and your life and your mental health and things like that. They appreciate it because I think sometimes we're trying to confect an image of authors or writers, uh, especially when someone, you know, when a famous writer goes and does a reading, they're asked about their work or they, they're asked to give tips about being a writer you don't want to disappoint really you don't want to go well I don't really know you don't want to go I find it very hard and I'm a b- bit of a doofus and to be honest I'm really struggling with my latest book I'm I'm, I'm not st- struggling with my latest book by the way I want to also be honest about when things are going kind of fine uh in case you're my editor listening <laughs> no but I'm I'm but, but you know they we don't want to say oh I'm having a real hell of a time of it and some authors do, and some authors have done on this podcast, right? Often it's with the safe distance of having got through a difficult time in the past. But I just, I, I don't, I'm not under any illusion that anyone, that you sort of see me as some mythic figure beyond the ken of mortals, you know, I, I, I know, I understand that uh, I'm al- already, n- nobody is looking at Tim Clare with a 
sense of wonder and going, wow, who who is this? Who is this celestial figure who walks among us? I could never be like that. Like we understand, you understand, I, I hope if I've done achieved anything with this podcast, that I am a published author. I am a professional who makes his living off this. And I'm also like, just like very, very ordinary to the point of it being sort of slightly odd that I'm surviving because I don't seem to have any particular uh, aptitude for doing this. But I love stories and I love talking to people. I love talking to you. I love language so much. I I, I do, if, if, I, don't, if I lack, well, I lack, lack in aptitude, I somewhat compensate in genuine love. Not something you want to hear from a heart surgeon just before you go under the anaesthetic, but maybe more forgivable in an author, right? Like, I love stories. I love the imagination. I love... I I, I had a great conversation with... Uh, I took my daughter to a poetry reading a couple of months back. It must be a couple of months by now, yeah. And... I got chatting to another child there and she was just telling me about some of her interests and she was really enthusiastic about them and was telling me some general knowledge stuff that she'd learned in school or in a book she'd read. And it was just, I was just like, I'm really into this. I want to know your facts and the things you care about. It's just, it's really nice. And I'm genuinely interested as well. I wasn't even like, oh, wow, how lovely that you know on one level i have the kind of like parental adult role of going yeah oh this looks so lovely that this child is so enthused and so able to be themselves and love what they love and then on another level i'm just like that is that, that's a cool fact i'm really interested in what you're interested in you've chosen good interests and i feel that way about when i teach people creative writing and i go and teach residential weeks and I go away and I work with people on their work and just when I you know they they can be doing whatever topic and in a way ideas for stories and stuff are they're a piece of piss really aren't they I people imagine what will I write a story about you you will you'll figure out something we could do you know a couple of exercises and you will come up with some good ideas some of the greatest or the at least the most popular works of literature if you look at the ideas they're based on the premise is often fine but it's not not exact it's not something that if you wrote down on paper and if you'd never read a book ever somehow but still were able to function you, you came from some parallel universe and we wrote down the basic premises for a hundred great works of literature and mixed them in with a hundred just random ones. I don't think you'd be able to pick out the ones that were from works of lit- great works of literature. I don't think you could because they're not. That I mean, they're fine. You know, the premise of Lord of the Rings is fine. Okay, so someone there's like a magic ring and it's evil, and. They've got to sneak it back to 
the place uh, to to get it unforged in a big volcano which happens to be where the controller of that ring is kind of nearby right so you gotta basically it's fine like it's that's cool but you don't go wow that's like that's insanely that's insanely clever and new because it's not because it was based on a bunch of stuff that existed already i i don't i don't, I don't like using harry potter as an example because jk rowling has gone into her bizarre downward spiral into just making her entire personality about paranoid transphobia apparently as some people do who spend a lot of time on the internet and are middle class and I guess imagine that there's a certain type of middle class centrist who thinks of themselves as being sort of pretty sensible pretty reasonable and and if they anything about their self-image or beliefs gets challenged, there's a certain type of person who either goes, well, oh, maybe I need to think about this, or they go completely bonkers and <laughs> and and go in and become, uh, yeah, just a, a kind of doomsday prepper of centrist paranoia uh, that that all the problems in the world apparently. You know, we, we, we've got all these problems with climate change and people not being able to eat, but apparently the big threat is trans women coming third in obscure variants of cycle sports. I, I'm not, let's not, let's not, let's not get, let's not get diverted down that line, except to say, I, you know, I just want to make it clear that I think that that's, fucking awful and there's a great there's a huge movement at the moment and a huge surge to try and weaponize the moral panic around trans people in the US and in the UK and it fucking sucks and the people doing that can fuck off and I think we need to be loud and vocal about lifting up certainly in our corner of the world you know in books we need to be celebrating trans authors and trans stories and gay and queer and all diverse stories we need to be just like lifting them up we need to be celebrating them because it's not just a question of finding space for people oh here's a little corner here's a little i've got this crappy stool that's not quite the legs on and you can sit there and you'll be tolerated that's what we want is toleration no we don't we want people to be able to thrive we want people to be able to thrive we want to set up an arts world and a literature uh it it will become it will be enfeebled and anodyne and dire if we don't because you want a diversity of voices people talk about being triggered all the time and this idea about oh i I, you can't say anything anymore and cancel culture is shutting people down but you're like literally you look at the staff makeup of universities and our political system and our teachers in secondary and primary schools and who gets funding in the arts and who presents programs across the BBC and all different institutions who gets to who what voices are lifted up what podcasts people listen to 
And there's soft and hard cancellation, isn't there? And there's just being shut out. What working class voices are we making sure that we don't just all look his working class week? We've made five short films celebrating working class voices. Here's one Scottish person. Here's a Welsh woman. Here's a, a comedian, a famous comedian who does all the panel shows, who is also has a working class background, and they're going to do a show. And that's Working Class Week over. Come back next year. We may run it again. We're going to see what the ratings are like. Fuck you. Like, this is the thing, is we want, if you really believe in the marketplace of ideas and being challenged and thinking things through, then, and you want diverse arts where lots of different ideas are all populating the space and you want this diverse ecosystem right like the uh, you want the maximum biodiversity in that ecosystem you which is you know the uh, the the number of non-zero sum relationships in an ecosystem tends to rise until it reaches peak biodiversity unless there's like an extinction event, which is to say you want those of people it's not these things don't cancel each other out. You don't go, oh, we're inviting more trans voices or working class voices. I don't want to say these different categories of people, you know, people with uh, mental health issues, autistic voices. That would be me now. I can carbon offset some of my privilege by uh, waving my uh, laminated autism past. Um, but the you know, if we look at it from the ecosystem point of view, the, 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 they're not predators that come in and eat all the opportunities for other people. What happens is you get more non-zero sum relationships, which is uh in other words mutuality right where it becomes more bountiful for any, everyone and stuff becomes better this is the sort of metaphor of the uh, uh of of the sort of edge zone between two biospheres you know like where the sea meets the land or the kind of beach meets the uh uh, meets like arable land or something like that where those two biosphere biomes meet along that line you get this is where you get like salt marshes and things like that these very rare ecosystems that support a, a much greater density and diversity of life than either of the contributing ecosystems that go into it i'm off on one and i'm going to come back to harry potter minute i, I realize i've gone into a social justice talk but it, it is important to me and i've held back a lot of time on on the podcast about talking about it too much because i don't want to bore people but it has come to my attention that some people who listen might not be aware of my political views and i do try to kind of keep the door open to a variety of people because i want us to be in dialogue and underneath everything else like I, I'm a fundamental believer in the power of compassion and listening to each other and as humans we've got to share this planet right and just shouting at people to fuck off I, I just don't feel like the that hate doesn't go anywhere it doesn't have there's not an exhaust pipe that it's discharged in it stays 
within our world and I would like to find ways for us to communicate that can acknowledge the pain we're all in some of us more than others but I think everyone's like your humanity makes that part of your existence right and recognizing how wonderful we all are and the kind of miracle of our existing at all and we try to find ways that we can all revel in each other really this makes it sound like i'm saying we should all have sex with each other like a big orgy i think that would be uncomfortable i'm not that's not what i'm i mean like i don't mind if some consenting people want to do that i'm not shaming them out of it but i would that wouldn't be my primary medium for solving some of the gravest problems the world faces at the moment i think i would i would keep that on that would be several sheets down on the flip chart i might you know i might at some stage late in my in my talk at the un get to that one flip it over and say how about this and i'd have my pointer my telescopic pointer around and it'd whip out to its longest length and then i would tap and they would just be in 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 red sharpie orgy question mark and then arrows coming out of that to the various continents question mark um no but i i i think it's really important that we that we all join hands and singing sing we are the world know that we that we're not talking about we don't the tolerance is not part of the discussion the discussion is about thriving it's the same way i feel about kids in schools we're not looking about ways that we can accommodate your child so your child can survive school there were many parts of school that i survived and rather than thrived in and it came you know it's come to my attention afterwards i've stayed in touch with people got back in touch with people i went to school some people i went to school with who i look back and think god you you went through so much (laughs) and i didn't realize because i was just a know nothing teenager and now i i I wish i'd been there for you i wish i'd had the emotional intelligence as a teenager to turn around to some people and go hey how are you you're looking great today you know i know you maybe that wouldn't maybe i'm forgetting what it's like to be a teenager and like this sort of middle manager kind of like well thank you thanks for asking wouldn't have gone down well but oh no but i see it in kids now i've seen groups of teenagers who are without being like psychopathic cult levels of positivity are just able to be like morning are able to kind of like give each other the gun and the wink are able to just appreciate each other, laugh with each other, just go like, we are a gang, a group, and all of these people have something to bring to it, and all of us are part of this family. We're all very different. Some of us are, you know, quirky. We've got these beautiful quirks, but we can support each other, and we can recognise that we can value our differences, and it's just cool, and those are always the groups that produce the best writing, they always are you know and if you want to i've just recorded at the time of talking to you now 
this evening uh, I co-presented a show on the BBC World Service about panic attacks for crowd science. I'll, if I have a link at some stage if you check the show notes the show description of today's episode you can probably find the podcast episode uh but it's going out tonight just we did a show about panic attacks and the science behind them squeezed some of the stuff i did in my book into the show uh but one thing that came up was the uh, with one researcher we talked to was how our study samples for a bunch of psychology and beyond to like a lot of different fields uh that the the people the populations we're looking at the people who sign who we get to be participants in research in psychology neuroscience all sorts of fields are generally too weird and that's weird as an acronym for western educated industrialized what does the r stand for uh, rich and um, I don't know what D stands for dickheads democratic maybe but basically that they're they're all they're, it's largely a white middle class cohort that we study and it means that there's like a bunch of massive gaps in our research and it means that a lot of our solutions are tailored towards that white middle class audience uh often we're using what's called like a the the sample type is is known as a sucks which is a uh, standard university convenience sample so they just get students that are on campus to to participate in the research and like students are humans i was one myself and i've been tested and i've been found no doctor in the land would say otherwise that i'm i'm a human uh and those you know those are humans and so you can you can deduce stuff about the brain etc from them we're not saying that but the wider we cast on it and the more we look at the different issues faced by different people in different countries and we say what happens when you have maybe a less literate population what happens when you what kind of stresses are people under in non-democratic countries does that affect this, their psychology we know when we look at panic attacks for example that uh, there are different symptoms in different cultures uh, some of which are unique to one culture you know like in, in Cambodia for example there's uh, uh, the panic attacks in, in Cambodia are sometimes accompanied by one a common symptom is neck ache in what are called wind attacks and that's not really found in other countries as someone has a neck ache and they think oh no a panic attack's coming on that the, the, a neck ache could be a trigger for a panic attack and it is in these in 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 Cambodia and in Cambodian first and second generation immigrant populations in other countries, so we know that there's a set of cultural beliefs that are feeding into that, which tells us that panic attacks on block, unless we imagine that there's just something completely unique to Cambodians, which is you know of course there are wonderful things unique uh, with every people from every country, but unless we think that there's something sort of bizarrely specific which i don't think there is then we understand that 
cultural expectations and psycho and psychological thinking must be having an effect. So immediately by broadening the research population, you start to get insights and you can look at what's the same and what's different. And what I'm saying is, and the reason I've gone all around the houses to talk about that is because that's true of creative writing and literature. My goodness, there's how many professors, how many, look, I'm here teaching you and I talk about creative writing. I go and there's, there's stuff I can bring to the table. If you want to make your sentences better, and, and sentences are the are the building blocks of any story. If you want to think about the cadence and a rhythm and the flow and the basic intelligibility of your work, I can help you with that. I know that. I don't need to hide behind false modesty. I'm fucking good on the line. I'm a fantastic editor because I've given my life to doing it. But that is just one arrow in, in, in the great quiver of creative writing options. And, and and to some people, it might seem quite soulless, you know, that I'm there going, oh, so uh, have you thought about how many adjectives you've got on this page? There's too many. How, let me let me let me run, get my Excel spreadsheet out and run an analysis. To, to some people, that just seems like inherently dead and bureaucratic way of approaching creative writing to be breaking it down and atomizing it and picking it apart. And, and, and they want to start with first principles, which is like, what do you care about? Where is your emotion located? Where is the heart of what you care about? And how can we pour that into a story? And I, I say, yes, yes. That's why it's good that I'm not the only creative writer, the only author and creative writing teacher in the world, because it it takes a village, my friends, right? It, it take we need loads of different people, and I, I also don't mean to them. There may be load, there may be other writers out there who are sort of more analytical, more uh, atomist, more let's take a sentence let's take words let's take the sounds of them and let's break it down and let's understand the ingredients we're using i don't mean to suggest oh <laughs> i'm bringing intellect and then if we cast our net wider we'll finally we'll, we'll get we'll get intuition and soul you know i, I i'm not saying like and i you know and, and and that would be also typecasting myself as an autistic man as i never tire of telling people who you know, who's who's very analytical and breaking things down and stuff. I mean, I care about emotions as well. But what I'm saying is you want the more people you've got involved and the more diverse backgrounds they come from, the just the better. Creative writing pedagogy is, is, is so heavily delivered by people who look like me, not exactly like me. That would be... I mean, it'd be, it'd be an interesting phenomenon if they all looked exact, if they if I had a series of clones going around. But what I mean is, is it's historically been dominated by white middle class cis men. And it will be, it just will get better the broader and broader and broader we have different voices, not just writing, creative writing, but teaching creative writing, contributing to the pedagogy. And there are but loads of those people out there already but um, they're not always 
promoted and lifted up and given the same opportunities that that, that white men are and and so just more please and and broader and a greater range of experiences because i just think it helps everyone everyone's writing will get better will improve as a result of that and i i, I the reason i got round to this i guess because i was going to say that harry potter doesn't have a very very original premise right it doesn't have an original premise it's but it was a book that as loads of people have enjoyed and and i know people get a little bit sort of gruff with me when i say i don't particularly like it myself because it seems like i'm whacking them on the nose with a rolled up newspaper and saying that they're idiots for liking it i'm not really saying that i mean i like super mario i'm looking forward to the new super mario film I don't think if you look at any of the games, you could really say certainly it is an original story. Uh, Italian American Brooklyn plumber, initially known for uh, saving a woman from a giant gorilla, travels through the sewers to a magical land largely populated by mushrooms and turtles to save a princess it is like it, I, I think like we can at least acknowledge that it's original but it's not good there's no good dialogue in any of the mario well there is some good dialogue in some of the mario games but like it, it, like generally speaking it's it's not deathless prose and i read i read i think eight super mario choose your own adventure books and they were not very good but i enjoyed reading them if someone said i was an idiot for reading them i mean i'd say that's a bit mean-spirited you know that's how i i'd say i'd say look i'm not saying you should like them but i like like them and they were part of they they uh, they were good for me practicing reading you know i read the nightmare books the this is the tv show nightmare the the spin-off books from that i read a lot of the spin-off books that i like look at now on the shelves and go oh god well of course that's going to sell well because it's a spin-off but isn't it a shame that children aren't reading real reading real books well those books were part of my journey into reading and they supported it along the way and i read you know i read a you know 40k book uh warhammer book at some point i read all the manuals obviously and and that helped my reading and and yeah i would sort of think oh well it's a tie-in that's kind of cheating but is it like does it does it really matter no no it doesn't and and so i want to make it clear that i don't particularly i mean i'm fussy i'm i'm fussy and we like different things and there's, there's some authors that i just don't get on with and I try not to talk about it too much because it's just the, the kind of people love it when you, you rave about a book and say how much you like it. Even if they don't like it, they're sort of kind of glad for you. But when you say you don't like stuff, it's a little bit harder, isn't it? And it's a little, it can seem a bit mean spirited. And some people think I'm having a go at them personally. It sort of wounds them. And unless you can gloss it by saying that the book is somehow immoral or the author is somehow immoral, it just starts to feel like you're having a bit of a rant. And it's hard. Look, I, 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 you know, I have those feelings about a bunch of books that I just do not enjoy. 
and I feel like I could create a case for why I don't enjoy them, but ultimately it doesn't matter. What does matter is that you don't have to have amazing ideas, but it's cool and you'll feel good about yourself if you can present those ideas in the best and most interesting way possible because it is about the journey isn't it i mean i've been like to sort of circle back round to why i've not been performing i I had this flu i've been really tired and i've I, i have been doing like lots of different projects and bits of work uh like i said just recorded this thing for the bbc i'm working on my new book but honestly I mean, post-viral fatigue has really taken it out of me. I haven't been exercising. This week I've just felt like I've dropped my daughter off at school and I've felt like I can't do any work. I'm so tired. I've been falling asleep in the day. It's been hard. I feel demotivated. My mood has been all right. My anxiety has been all right. But we have had a lot of incipient stresses on us. Last year was very, very hard. It's probably one of the hardest years of my life this year is better but still some of that stuff's continuing and i i only really bring this up i'm much better than there's been episodes i've recorded in the throes of depression there was one episode i recorded a long while ago where i really just broke down crying and then i decided i wasn't going to put it out there was you know there was like a teetered because i was like is this really good content? Like, isn't like isn't it very authentic to just start crying a lot? Isn't that isn't that actually like very? Am I being like really super authentic and non toxic? I think it's quite vulnerable actually, and it's like well, I'm just not sure <laughs> that it's intrinsically useful entertaining or informative tim it just does seem a little bit like you need to have a cup of tea have a piece of toast and go to bed and that's often the the solution isn't it no i sorry i don't mean to dismiss extreme depression as like you just need a cup of tea and need to go to bed i am you know i I, i'm not saying that but sometimes we're not in the right place to do something right and we need to just prioritize other things but i i am kind of feeling demotivated at the moment i do i probably have achieved quite a lot in the last couple of weeks i had a really nice uh meeting like publicity meeting for coward which is going to be my latest book which is coming out in paperback in the uk in may really really nice chat about that and my new book with my publishers and, and you know my new book which hopefully will be coming out next year those are all really positive and exciting and you know i've spoken to some of the people who are featured in coward and you know, some of them were just saying what a great job i'd done with the science on it and this was from researchers and that felt great and i i, I do think and i'm you know i want to wheel around to these things that motivate me and make me feel happy i do think that when a book when you've just written a book and you just did it how you wanted to and you did it the best you could, that is such a sustaining pleasure and confidence booster. When I look at The Honours and The Ice House and Coward, 
I know that they're all books, partly because I was supported by brilliant, you know, agent and editors, but they're books where I got to write the book to the best of my ability and they came out how I wanted them to. And it's been lovely hearing from readers who enjoyed them. It's been lovely to get nice reviews. But the thing that matters to me is that I look at them and I just go, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. That's I don't mind being judged on this because that's me. That's my craft. And sometimes I just read a bit back and go, yeah, that's cool. That's a neat bit. That makes me excited. I like this character. I like this sentence. I like this insight that I've managed to communicate in words that make sense to me. And that, and that's lovely. That's like <laughs> what you know. Why be why be a writer? What's one of the nice things about having written? Well, it's just nice to look at your work and go, yeah, that's cool. Like that's nice. I don't. I don't. I'm not like doing like a a rail of of coke off the desk and then just go ooh. I'm the best. Who's the... Come here. Look at that. Grabbing some intern and yanking them in and showing them my book. Do you see this? This is quality, this. This is real literature. It's not about that. It's just looking at something and going, I dig that. That's neat. I, I pulled it off. It's just like a lovely, stable bit of like, yeah, nice. I did that. It's cool. Yeah. It's just like if you made... If, if you put up... If you've ever like... If you ever put up some shelves and you did a good job, <laughs> if you ever like made a great sandwich and you made your sandwich and you look at it and it just look you've got the lettuce, just a nice crisp lettuce on the top and you cut it right and you've layered it right and you've got just the right uh, ratio of kind of like sauces or mayo or whatever to your condiment to filling ratio is really good and then you bite into it and it's just mmm. You've like nailed it. You crea you sand down and creosote a picnic bench. People don't use creosote anymore, do they? Maybe you you varnish or whatever. And you finish and you fold your arms and you go, I've done it. That's great. You chopped some firewood. All of these things, it's just it's a it's that nice feeling. It's that feeling of like I did my craft and I did it good. I did it to the best of my ability and I'm happy of myself. That's how I feel about my writing, and it's great. But I've been feeling tired, and I've been feeling demotivated, and I haven't been exercising. And, I've, you know, I was so wiped out by post-viral fatigue. I went to a gaming convention for, you know, what I'm doing with my book, and I could, I could barely keep my eyes open. I felt bad because I'd wanted to go there and just play games, just play and play and play, and I couldn't do it. It was actually last night I had some friends around. It was, oh, I felt so happy. I had some friends around and we played a game. And and I could concentrate again. And it was, and, and they're, you know, they're, you know, it's three friends that I really, really care about and enjoy their company hugely. And it was just, I was like, I haven't lost it. I can still have this happiness because that's the other thing that the flu did was like actually all my interests went away and maybe this is a particularly autistic thing we talk about special interests you know things that you really really care about but I suddenly didn't 
feel like I had the energy to get excited or care about things and it had all gone and I didn't care about board games anymore and I felt weird it felt like I'd lost part of my heart you know so I'm still I'm, I've been I've been working on and off on this like opening to this no- novel that I've been writing for the show and I, I don't know whether I'm just sort of taking on too much trying to write a non-fiction book and a fiction book at the same time I, I think I get caught up in self-criticism to be honest I, I start thinking about other ideas because there's the voice in my head is just constantly telling me how lame my writing is uh, and I want to be honest about all this and uh, how tiredness is affecting me and, and please I love you sincerely t- uh, as far as I can without making you feel uncomfortable but please do not write to me saying it sounds like you need to take a break Tim be kind to yourself because I fucking hate that I I want to produce I want to get work done and I, what I want and what I think most of us need is not permission to stop there may be some of you, you maybe you overwork maybe you're a workaholic but um for me, it's not permission to stop. It's encouragement and support with continuing. And I can, you know, I can be that person in your life to a, to a limited extent through this podcast. Insofar as you can go on our Discord, the Death of a Thousand Cuts Discord server, against all odds lovely community there who are sharing work and talking to each other and encouraging each other and talking about books they care about and uh, i read it every day um i don't contribute maybe as much as uh i i would do partly out of guilt for not putting episodes out but partly because i just don't want to i i i don't want to be like dad coming downstairs during the sleepover with like a bowl of crisps and some fizzy drink every five minutes to the extent that it feels a bit like he's going so what are you talking about what are you up to it's like well we were having fun but now we're in a <coughs> in a kind of recap mode while we explain to you like I, I i i don't think i have that effect on people too much but I, i'm just conscious of uh wanting to give people a bit of breathing space but i'm I'll, i again i'll link in the show notes so you can just uh you can just Google Death of a Thousand Cuts uh, Discord and you can go and, and join us. Uh, as long as you're a nice person, you know, as long as you're going to like be kind and respectful to everyone there. You're very welcome. And people, uh, you know, are doing critique swaps, all of those things. Th- that's a place where you can get a little bit of support, hopefully. People sometimes do, you know, supported bits of creative writing and, and whatever. But I think we need advocates, you know, in our lives. We need someone who who wants to go, I believe in you. You need people who are checking in on you and going, can you, how's it going this week? Can you push forward with this? Most of us can't afford to pay for like a personal trainer and then a personal trainer for creative writing and all these kind of things. But I, I wonder to what extent you can find somebody who can help you with that and help you with the structuring because I don't think for me it's ever been a problem with me being lazy sometimes I'm tired 
but it's not that I don't care. And I don't think it's ever been with you that you just don't care, except when you're sort of so depressed or so washed out or life is beating you up so much that nothing seems to matter. But often it's a case of confidence, right? Confidence that our efforts will at some point down the line prove to have been worthwhile. Not necessarily that we'll have great success, but just this idea that they will... We won't have been making things worse by trying to write. It's it's bloody hard sometimes, you know. And if you sort of look around you, you think, how many people do you have directly in your life who are like going, who you can talk to this, talk to about this, who will say, well, I think, I think you can do this. Like, I think you can do it. Uh, I think I, I, I totally accept it's been hard for you, but like I know you can do it but I realize that's going to be hard and the only way we can do it is like break it down into small steps and then take the first step and then hopefully you can keep going but until you take that first step you won't be able to so like what do you need to do like is there can you make a list can then can do the first thing on that list in terms of your writing are you prepared to kind of go through a kind of pain barrier because if you know if you want to try that if you want to like put aside some time and you can text me at the beginning of it and text me at the end of it then why don't you do that and if you sort of you hit a wall or it get becomes really hard and you can't do it and you're hating yourself you can phone me do you have friends in your life who can do that for you it strikes me that a lot of us don't or don't feel we could and the weird thing is like if a friend of mine asked me would I do that for them I would go yeah and like I, I really want to write something and I'm really struggling and I was wondering if you could help me you know maybe just by being an accountability buddy maybe by giving me a little bit of a pep talk or listening to me every now and then but I can't imagine ever asking someone else to do that you know but you deserve that right you deserve that kind of support it's not a crazy thing to want or need and i'm very aware that for a lot of people that's literally all they need and the rest they can push through themselves and in fact they'd be surprised at the moments of unexpected resilience or resourcefulness the untapped capacity that they have within them that to a certain extent connecting with has been an issue of logistics rather than of character i'm not I, like, i'm all right in myself like I, I, when i say I, i'd say like emotionally I'm doing fine. I'm not in a good place creatively. I don't feel proud of myself or in control. And uh, I, I hope it's all right for me to sort of mention this. I don't, don't want to sort of, and I, I don't want to trigger anyone. But I, you know, I've, and I've been having issues with my diet and exercise in terms of just eating a healthy diverse diet and 
getting out and doing exercise that makes me feel awake and alive and I, I those are also things that I really benefit from having support and people around me who was who get me to do it and I, 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 I found it very hard and I've fallen into bad habits that don't make me super happy and I guess all I'm saying is it's okay to want and need support and you might start looking at ways to to avail yourself of that support part of it can be like joining a community even if it's an online community but I think starting to establish relationships with writers uh, and finding community and finding individuals who who might not even be writers who can help you and looking at ways that you can change the structure of your life such that you're able to do more i think you can surprise yourself and and just we are human beings who are alive and life is inherently difficult and sometimes we're ill and sometimes we're dealing with chronic illness or the illness the sad illness of someone we love or where a relationship's breaking up or work is stressful or all sorts of things and and those are the conditions that you will have to write a novel under or your short story under or your poetry under or your memoir under or your biography under you will have to write it under the condition of being a human in a world that is inherently uncertain in a world that can fall apart in a world where people around you can and will get sick and die and disappear and let you down now there's loads of wonders to the world as well i'm not <clears throat> not i'm trying not to frame it as negative but there's this idea that like a writer exists as a character in a book and free from the perils and vices of the flesh and we don't and you don't and a lot of the reason that writing can be hard is because we're temporary beings you know we're these sparks of consciousness that have learned everything from scratch figured out language from other humans and grown and now we're doing what well there's this thing called stories and i'm trying to put them down and maybe if i do it well enough other consciousnesses will approve and and i'll be allowed i'll give myself permission to like myself it's so strange and stories are beautiful and i have no doubt that you can write good stuff and i have no doubt that i can write good stuff and i sometimes see writers going oh like i've you know i had a period where i couldn't write and then it kind of came back to me and it's such a relief and i'm hoping that happens to me that i hit some moment of ease or facility or flow where i get to that good stuff again because i miss it just that i i love stories and i so i so often feel disconnected from them by my self-criticism and my self-hatred i feel so inadequate to the task sometimes and 
we've got to love each other and look after each other and it's okay to not suffer in silence let's you know we, we it's okay to find someone to help you through it or multiple people i think i've come to the end of what i want to say now i hope this explains a little bit why i've been away for a while i, I am emailing writers and trying to set up interviews and i i, I want to go on and do some first page things and i i i just i but i would rather put out a, a writing ramble and and i've put out something than just do nothing i know that isn't traditionally the opposite way around it would be rather like no no stick back and do quality content but for me this is just as sincere and quality as anything else i'll do and i think it's part of the problem, right, of creative constipation is that fear that nothing you do is ever good enough. And this podcast for me and all the beautiful things it's brought into my life and all the pleasure and all the learning it's brought to me. Oh, it started raining outside. Oh, it started raining heavily. Oh, it started thundering. Wow, that's exciting. Ooh. Um all the all the joy that's come out of this podcast was came from a willingness to do it half-assed i wouldn't have made anything if i hadn't just gone well fuck it <laughs> people what are they gonna do us with their money back fuck them like that's it and then you learn on the job and you do bits and bobs and i still don't do sound design i still don't really do much editing i still bodge it together but I made two really, really successful creative writing courses for free for on the podcast. And no one told me how to do them. And I, I kind of just made it up as I went along. They would not have existed if I'd tried to be super professional and good at it. And I think they were good enough. And in the end... If I want to like make some stories, all they really need to be is good enough. And that's all you need to do. And then we can come back later and we can tweak it and we can make it better. You know, I can't really get something on a first, second, third, fourth or fifth pass. I, I need help making stuff good. But this is the great work, really, is forgiving myself for being only human. So that's a that seems like a sad note to end on. I still struggle with it. I wish I was better at writing, really. And I'm very critical of other people's work, and I'm very critical of my own. And uh, it's a shame. I love stuff that's good, but we'll see. Hope springs eternal. Change is the great motor of plot, and it must. Uh, maybe maybe I'll have maybe I will be able to let some of this go. Anyway, look, I just thank you for listening this far. Really appreciate it. I hope you're well. Join the Discord if you think even you can lurk for a while. You can lurk for a while. You can just hang out and see what's going on. It'd be lovely to see you there. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you can drop me a few beans on my coffee page. That's ko-fi dot com forward slash tim claire really appreciate everyone's support helps me keep the lights on and cover basic costs for the show and um buy my books well that's it take care thank you for listening and i wish you a wonderful week of writing